Welcome to the First Right Podcast, a weekly conservative news show brought to you by Restoration of America. I'm your host, Jerry Ewald, Chief Marketing Officer for Restoration of America. And today we are blessed to have John Fund, who is one of the nation's true experts on election integrity. John is a longtime journalist and author who lived through the Hanging Chads 2000 election and watched closely the controversial 2020 election. His new book spells out what he's learned about the vulnerabilities of our election system. Well, John, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to address your audience because I know they're interested, as I am and you are, in making sure that America stands by its constitutional principles. <laughs> That's right, it's, uh, especially when it comes to election integrity, which I, I understand you're uh, one of the original. You've been doing this for decades. <laughs> well, actually, my new book, um, Our Broken Elections, How the Left Changed the Way You Vote, is my fifth book in this series. I've been on this lemonade stand uh, talking about this issue since 2000, which was the famous Bush v. Gore recount in Florida. Yeah, let's let's start there because, uh, you know, we, we we often forget about the past and that everyone's focused on what happened in 2020 and and what's going to happen moving forward. But I mean, you you've been very much engaged down in Florida in uh, in 2000. Can you share how, what it was like to be part of that experience? Well, the Florida election did have some very disturbing anomalies, some of which were based in the incompetence and the primitive nature of the election system, and some verged on uh, outright manipulation and fraud. The biggest mm -hmm. message of my books is that uh, there's, a, there's something in between people who say everything is voter fraud, everything is manipulated, and those who say it doesn't exist, it's as rare as a shark attack. Um, and my position is, at certain places where there's a notorious history of voter fraud, in certain races where it's perceived to be close, and therefore it makes a wise investment to manipulate the vote, and in certain times, uh, you will see fraud. But the majority of time, you can't always tell where the incompetence ends and where the fraud begins, because some of our parts of our country have the sloppiest election systems of any industrialized democracy. Some work very well, but we are a decentralized federal country with 3,100 counties, and everyone is different, and everyone has a different story to tell. So in Florida, what I found was the, you know, the famous butterfly ballot. Uh, your, your viewers might want to recall that uh, the ballot was designed very badly. Uh, there were hanging chads, so you couldn't tell if someone right. had punched through all the way. There was also a question of where Al Gore's, um, the place for him to people to vote for him was too close to that for Pat Buchanan. But there were also other things that happened. It turned out that, yes, a few hundred people were denied the right to vote because uh, they were incorrectly put in the list of felons who hadn't gotten their rights restored. But far more, about 1,500 people uh, voted, and they weren't eligible to vote because they were felons who had not restored their rights. And as a result, uh, you know, the result was 531 votes. That's what decided the presidency. Right. Uh, but Al Gore pioneered what I think sometimes uh, Donald Trump is guilty of, which is selectively cherry-picking some of the facts and basically um, going with a theory that hasn't been fully baked in the oven. So, so is this this is an example of uh, incompetence, in your opinion, or was this truly voter fraud? Uh, in Florida, 
I yeah. think that it was primarily incompetence. That's why we passed the Bipartisan Help America Vote Act the next year. Mm -hmm. uh, that was the last bipartisan piece of legislation. Uh, the premise of that was we were going to make it easy to vote. Everyone should have the right to vote. No one should be intimidated. All of the gains that we've made in the Civil Rights Act and the Voting Rights Act should be preserved and extended. Um, we need to make sure people aren't barred from voting artificially. At the same mm -hmm. time, people have a right to be protected from somebody canceling out their vote. If you vote, right. if anyone in your audience votes and their vote is canceled out by someone who shouldn't be voting, someone who's dead, someone who's moved out of state, someone whose only address is a parking lot, uh, someone who is standing in for someone else, pretending to be that person, someone who's filling in a fraudulent absentee mm -hmm. ballot, if they do that, they've canceled out your vote as effectively as if they had prevented you from voting by standing in the polling place door. So everyone in your audience has a right to vote, but also a right to make sure their vote is valid and not canceled out. Yeah, and uh, I think that's that's key, right? So here at Restoration America, we have a, uh, an organization called Voter Reference Foundation, and that's exactly what we're trying to do. We're trying to get the voter rolls put out into public so that everyone, every citizen, can go ahead and audit their own voter record to make sure that, you know, if you vote once, it counts once, right? If you're not allowed to vote, that vote shouldn't count. To your point, we don't want that canceled out. So that that is something that we've been looking into. I mean, what are your thoughts on on the voter rolls? Well, I've met some of the people involved in your organization, especially the lady from Arizona, and uh, I commend the effort. Uh, the left has always wanted to keep the voter rolls sloppy, loosey-goosey, uh, not accurate. I mean, no marketer would ever use a voter registration roll to try to reach customers. Uh, the Pew Research Center, which is a liberal foundation, found a few years ago that between 15 and 20 percent of the registrations nationwide were invalid, outdated, or not usable. So if you look at some states like North Carolina, it's far higher, although that number has finally come down. The, the Help America Vote Act, which I mentioned earlier, did have a provision which said, if we're gonna send money to the states to clean up their voting systems and provide them with better machines, mm -hmm. they have a right, they have a responsibility to clean up their voter rolls. And most mm -hmm. of them didn't do that. Right. Most of them basically kept the old systems and kept the old procedures in which they would never remove voters from the rolls. It got so bad in California that Judicial Watch, which is a public interest legal firm, yeah. had sued Los Angeles County, the largest county in the country, 10 million people live there, and basically say, you haven't cleaned up your voter rolls in over 20 years. Mm -hmm. Finally, a couple of years ago, they got a settlement from Los Angeles. Turned out that something like close to 2 million people are being removed from the rolls there because there's, they're Deadwood. They haven't voted in 15 years. They've moved out of state. People can't find them. They've never voted. Uh, but they obviously could vote if somebody wanted to go and find their name and vote in their, in their absence. And as a result, we have the worst voter rolls of any industrialized democracy. No one keeps records as badly as we do. That's why the effort that you mentioned nationwide of trying to get states to be able to communicate with each other, share voter registration information, find right. out who might be voting twice in a different state, uh, somebody mm -hmm. has moved out of state. That's so valuable because with that kind of information, we can stop these problems before they actually happen. And the one thing we learned in the 2020 election, this is a key point in my book, mm -hmm. if you don't address it before the election, it's too late. You cannot prove the fraud sufficient right 
can convince a court to, to do something about it, to throw out an election, unless you have taken the legal steps and compiled the legal record before the election and basically stopped it before it ever started. The problem I had with President Trump's lawyers, original lawyers, was mm -hmm. they did drop the ball. And everybody agrees they dropped the ball before the 2020 election. They were not properly prepared to combat the tsunami of mail-in ballots. And as a result, after the election, they were playing catch-up. And the amount of time between that and when the president is inaugurated simply wasn't enough to build a record that you could prove in court what manipulations occurred. Why, why do you think that is? Why, why wasn't, I, I know the president was warned. Why, why weren't they prepared to do this? They didn't think it was going to be such a big deal? Or what, what are your thoughts on that? I have a two-word answer. Jared Kushner. Jared Kushner was the president's son-in-law. Yeah. Uh, he sat at the president's right hand for a lot of the four years of his term. And the president had a very benign, forgiving view of him. He basically made him the de facto campaign manager for the 2020 election. Uh, there was a real campaign manager named Brad Parscal who got people I know into the White House to meet with Jared Kushner to warn him after the COVID hit. The left is going to use COVID as a pretext to issue right. emergency decrees from health officials, from governors who haven't consulted legislatures to change the law, and they're going to steamroller over you. Kushner took careful notes. He seemed to pay attention. Uh, and he said he would get back to people. He never did. So, and by the way, the campaign manager who brought this to his attention was fired a few weeks later, uh, almost as if he was being punished for uh, disturbing Mr. Kushner's uh, right. serenity. So, look, Jared Kushner was a big problem in the Trump administration. <laughs> you know, he was a Democrat. As far as I know, he's still a yeah. Democrat. So is Ivanka Trump, the president's daughter. I think that Donald Trump did a lot of good. He had a lot yeah. of good policies. But he had some of the worst personnel choices in, in, of any president. You don't hire your relatives for the White House because you can't yeah. fire them. Well, I was going to say, you know, Trump's originally f famous for firing people, but you're telling me he couldn't fire Jared Kushner. Yeah, it's hard to fire family, isn't it? It is. It is. So, so, but you know, none of this would have been an issue, right? If we would have cleaned up the voter rolls. So, so, John, what the American people they want to know? Why don't we clean up the voter rolls? Why does California allow this to happen, or any state out there? What? Why can't we do it? Well, the federal government has the right to sue states that don't clean up their voter rolls after a certain period of time. The problem was, as soon as Barack Obama became president in 2008, all of that stopped. Uh, in one of my books, I quote Julie Fernandez, who was a top official in the Obama Justice Department, telling her career lawyers, we are never going to file lawsuits to ask states to clean up their voter rolls because we are all about increasing the vote totals, uh, not ever decreasing them, even if the people uh, who are on the voter rolls don't exist or are eligible to vote. And the Trump administration was slow to the task. Uh, they basically played catch up. They didn't do nearly as much as they should have. And of course, the Biden administration has shown precisely zero interest in pursuing this issue. Now, having said that, there have been some private lawsuits like the one I mentioned by Judicial Watch and others that have forced states to clean up the voter rolls because it's a clear requirement under federal law. Right. But the enforcement has to be, uh, because of the current administration, has to be through private actions and with data improved like the ones that you have done through restoration. No, I, I, you're right on with that. And, and I, I do want to touch on the future. But before we do that, you mentioned your book a, a few times. And you, you wrote five on election integrity. So your latest book is Our Broken Elections, How right. the Left Changed the Way You Vote. Right. Tell us the pre uh, premise of this book. 
the premise of the book, as I indicated a little earlier, is the 2020 election, if you're a supporter of Donald Trump, was frankly lost in March and April of that year mm. because the states that uh, were very close but and had some Democratic influence were able to change the laws or force court settlements out of court uh, to allow a massive mm. flow of mail-in ballots, which had never been seen before. Yeah. Uh, mail-in ballots, absentee ballots are fine uh, if there's a legitimate reason. You don't want them to predominate or swamp the election officials because, A, they're not equipped to do that. Uh, they're $12 an hour clerks that they hire temporarily to process mm -hmm. these ballots and the signatures, frankly, aren't going to do a very good job. They're not trained in this. Uh, so the only way they could process all of these ballots, so they claimed, was by basically eliminating most of the oversight, uh, basically mm -hmm. rushing people through, looking at the signatures. If their signature verification machines is there in some place, turning down the level of scrutiny or so sophistication on the machine from, let's say, an eight to a two, mm -hmm. uh, as happened in Las Vegas. And as a result, many of these mail-in ballots may have been invalid. They may have been let through when they shouldn't have been. But yeah. once the mail-in ballot comes before the clerk, uh, it comes in a two-part ways in most cases. There's the ballot, and then there's the verification that shows this is the voter and this is the uh, proof that they are a registered voter. Well, once the ballot is counted, the ballot is separated. The actual ballot goes in with all the other ballots that came in for the election, and the verification goes off to one side. You can't put the two together again. So that presents an enormous amount of mischief potential, uh, almost an engraved invitation to game the system. Now, we can't prove that in most, in almost all cases, because, you know, after this happens, you can't put, two, you know, you can't put two and two together again. So to the Trump voters, I say, there's a lot of things you should be upset about, but we need to focus on how to stop this in the future. Yeah. And many states, 32 states, for example, have banned Zuckerbucks, which were these private foundation yes. monies that came into local election officials and basically told them, if you do certain things to boost the vote, almost always in Democratic areas, uh, we're going to give you a bunch of money. Uh, there's been enormous progress since 2020. We need to keep up that progress. But if you're fighting the old battles of 2020, or if you're as President Trump saying, this election should be thrown out immediately and I should be reinstalled in office immediately. A, that's not realistic. Yeah. And B, that doesn't help the situation because it just sounds as if he's, you know, in his in practicing politics of grievance rather than telling us, should he run for president again, what he wants to do. Yeah, no, I know. It's, um, we, we, again, I, we need to learn from the past, but we can't focus on the past. We have to learn from what happened. And, and move forward with it. So, so let, let's expand on that. So we, we have uh, 20, we have midterm elections coming up now. We have, uh, you know, obviously the big election in 2024 presidential election. Have we, have we learned enough of what happened? That's A. And then B, have we put in place the right stopgap measures to make sure that fraud doesn't happen again? again? Well, first, the good news. COVID is mostly in the rearview mirror, so most of these emergency regulations that allowed all of these mail-in ballots to come in have elapsed. That's a good thing. Uh, two, uh, some states have tightened up the scrutiny on mail-in ballots. Um, they require people to put in the last four digits of their social security number or their driver's license number as better verification. Uh, some states still require notaries to sign the absentee ballot. Some states have moved to early voting rather than mail-in voting. That's a big difference. Mm -hmm. 
Mail-in voting is where you send the ballot in. That can lead to ballot harvesting, where people go door to door after the ballots are mailed out, and they help people fill out the vote, or they encourage them to fill out the vote in a certain right. way. Early voting takes place under the supervision of government workers, and it takes place in a county courthouse or a school or some other place where there's a temporary election office set up. And you have to vote in secret. Uh, your privacy is protected. There's nobody who can enter the voting booth. Mm -hmm. Uh, coerce you or intimidate you, as could happen if some right. a mail-in ballot arrives on your kitchen table and your spouse or somebody else wants to pressure you. Uh, so, mail early voting, although I don't think it should be too early, mm -hmm. early voting is a whole lot better than mail-in voting, and some states have moved away from mail-in voting to more early voting. So it sounds to me, you know, look, we're always looking for hope, right? There's always hope, and and I'd like to say, what I'm hearing from you is saying we've learned a lot. And now we put some measures in place that will make it better, right? We know there's always going to be some level of cheating and things that go. I mean, that that just that happens. There's incompetence, as you've already brought up. But we have we have made significant changes to give us some hope that we will have a more transparent and and fair election coming up. Yes, but it varies a lot from state to state. Yeah, California is the worst. Uh, the Heritage Foundation, where Hans von Spakowski, my co-author, works, mm -hmm. has developed an index rating every state on the credibility, honesty, and integrity of its election processes. Yeah. California, along with Hawaii and Nevada and other places, are pretty far down the list at the bottom. Uh, California is the only state, for example, that makes it illegal for you to ask, if you're an election official, ask a voter in front of you for an ID. Now, most states- Is that racist? States, is, is that why it's racist or something? Well, well, look, I don't want to speculate what the motive will be. I know. But let's just say some people don't want us to know what's going on behind the curtain. I know, to I know. Raise the Wizard of Oz. Let's just say this. Uh, about 18 states don't require any form of ID. Uh, only California makes it illegal to even ask for one. Um, so California is a basket case, and that can only be solved perhaps by a voter initiative. New York State is also a bad basket case. There's, we had an election commissioner in New York. The Democratic election commissioner for Manhattan admit a couple of years ago to James O'Keefe of Project Veritas mm -hmm. that, of course, there's a lot of voter fraud. They bust people around every day on, election, uh, on elections and, you know, get them to vote over and over again. Um, and, you know, he was a Democrat. He was probably fired by the mayor, by the way, immediately, Mayor de Blasio. But probably York, fired, but then rehired somewhere else, and he's probably doing fine right now. No, 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 no. He was, he, he did not, he was not on script. He was not on message. He got canned, period. Uh, and he hasn't been heard from since. Uh, but New York voters are very understanding of the problems in New York. The legislature put three ballot measures last November on the ballot to basically create a much weaker uh, voter integrity system for mail-in ballots, to make it much, to have same-day voter registration, uh, and also to make it easier for the legislature to gerrymander congressional and other district lines. New York state voters, including many voters in New York City, voted that down. So the voters get this, but they often can't get their elected officials to act on this. So yes, things are better, but in yeah. states like Illinois, states like Maryland, states like New York or California, we're still back in the dark ages of yeah. voter transparency and voter integrity. So those states are probably gonna have to be sued either by the federal government or the new administration or by these private parties like Judicial Watch or the Public Interest Legal Foundation, which is doing excellent work in this yeah. area. 
uh, in suing states and forcing them to, to uh, for example, Public Interest Legal Foundation has a great program. Here's one way you can prove that there's voter fraud potentially out there. Lots of people um, get driver's licenses in states where you can get a driver's license, but you don't have to be a citizen. Mm -hmm. Well, you have to be a citizen to vote. So it turns out that because you know the driver's license bureau, they're not very careful. A lot of people show end up with a driver's license, and they think they have the right to vote, or they're told they have the right to vote, ah. but they really don't. So what Public Interest Legal Foundation does, it goes into states like Pennsylvania or New Jersey and says, we want the list of people who have voted or are on the voter rolls, and we also want the list of people who have been contacted for jury duty. Mm -hmm. And they respond, well, I can't be brought in as a juror because I'm not a citizen. Clearly, one of those problems, there's a problem there one way or the other. Either you're not a citizen and you shouldn't be on the voter registration rolls, or you're on the voter registration rolls and you're not a citizen. Okay. That, that makes a lot of sense. I didn't even realize that was an issue, but uh, that makes sense. And, and by the way, every time this happens, they usually find in a large county, they find hundreds and hundreds of people. In Fairfax County, Virginia, which is very diverse, uh, they found hundreds yeah. of people who had asked to have their voter um, registration records cleansed because they were about to become citizens. They didn't want that on their record, uh, that they had violated the law by registering to vote. Wow. Uh, some of those people had done it in such a way they were worthy of prosecution. That was sent to the local prosecutors who were Democrats. Nothing was ever done about that. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, that's uh, um, that that that's uh, that's very interesting. I, I, I didn't even know something like that. happened. But but, you know, the more you dig into this, the more you find out that there's I, I call it death by a thousand paper cuts. Right. There's you can't it's hard to pinpoint one thing. I mean, you could say mail in ballots. I, I know that's a major one, but there's so many other issues and it varies state to state. And uh, there's just so many things that get you in the end. You know, on one level, I agree with you because we have 3,000 counties. On the other level, there's some basic principles. Mm -hmm. Clean voter registration rolls like you described. Um, listen, uh, the people who often run these very liberal states, the last thing they want is a clean voter registration roll mm. because it makes it a lot harder to do any mischief if there's a close race yep. and you're desperate at the end. So what your, your work is extremely important. Secondly, voter ID. We ask for voter ID for everything. And some people say, oh, yes, but you know, voting is a constitutional right, so therefore we can't ask for voter ID. Well, marriage is a constitutional right. We have laws that say that anyone can get married, uh, you know, straight or gay. And you know what? In every state, they require, vote, they require a photo ID to marry. To get married. Well, they, we obviously should have a photo ID to vote. And people who say we don't should ask, be asked, why in the world do you support ID for everyone and net not for voting? And by the way, if there is someone who doesn't have a photo ID, let's get them one. Rather than spend money on lawsuits fighting voter ID laws, let's spend the money going, reaching out to people, having mobile vans show up at shopping centers and other places, right. getting people a free photo ID so they can vote. No, there are people who claim that some people don't have voter IDs, but they don't want to do anything to actually get them those mm -hmm. voter IDs because they want to keep the issue alive. Well, I mean, th this all goes back to your original point, right, where you said, if I am allowed to vote, legally allowed to vote, then I want my vote to count, and I don't want it canceled out by either someone who's not allowed to vote or my vote gets lost and things like that. So, I mean, it, common sense things like voter ID make a lot of sense. The reason why, and the reason why this is important is if we don't improve the election system, 
we will breed yeah. cynicism, anger, and even you know deep resentment at the government. You know, right. if we're going to be governed in a republic, people have to have confidence that the government is legitimate. They have to have confidence that the people elected to serve actually won. And the Supreme Court has unanimously ruled in an Arizona case that the widespread perception that the government is not paying attention to voter integrity and whether or not the ballots are counted properly or cast mm -hmm. properly can lead to lower voter turnout, yes. uh, lower participation in our political process, growing cynicism, and growing resistance to legitimate government activities and legitimate government officials. And that's something that has to be handled. It's it's preventative mm -hmm. measures. You know, we we should guard our ballots the way we guard the gold in Fort Knox. Gold in Fort Knox is there to preserve our monetary yeah. system. Uh, the ballots are there to preserve our democratic system. Both are protected. We wouldn't leave the doors open at Fort Knox. Well, look, I think um, I think you bring up a really good point, and I, I just uh, you know we we hear that in 2020 it was the most secure election ever, right? And and when when that gets repeated over and over again, and every day we're get, hearing more okay. and more about the bloated we voter rolls, inaccuracy, things like that, then it it destroys confidence in our country. And then you hear people say, well, "Why should I vote? It's not going to count anyway." It also, well, it, first of all, the vast majority of places do run clean elections. The problem is if it's known where an election is going to be very close, a swing state, a Georgia, an Arizona, uh, a Nevada, um, those are places where at the end of the election people can be tempted. And if the rules aren't set and aren't enforced properly, you can't have hanky-panky at the end. Mm -hmm. Most elections are valid. Most elections don't involve a lot of fraud, although there are some places that have a long tradition of it. I give you Chicago and Philadelphia. <laughs> the, the thing that burns me up about people who claim this was 2020 was the most secure election in history, that all stems from one guy who was in the federal government who ran a um, cryptocurrency and um, you know, basically a digital security system that had nothing to do with voting. Uh, mm -hmm. He was a federal official charged with making sure that certain digital systems work properly. He didn't have election experience. He wasn't in charge of any elections. He basically said that off the top of his head. He had no special knowledge about that. He's been quoted by the media, and frankly, the media is discredited in, in a large sense in this area because they keep quoting people who don't know what they're talking about yeah. and keep ignoring people who do know what they're talking about. And so that statement is not only preposterous, but frankly, um, really is a disservice to the people who use that quote. Yeah. No. I, John, we're, look, we're, we're grateful for all the work that you've been putting in. Five books, decades worth of experience here. If there's anything that you want to leave the audience with, I mean, what can yes. the everyday citizen do here? Well, first of all, my co-author, Hans von Spakowski, has an excellent website at the Heritage Foundation. Just go to the heritage.org and you will find a, a list of almost 2,000 uh, voter fraud cases where people were convicted of voter fraud that puts the lie mm -hmm. to the fact that, you know, some people say there is no voter fraud. It has papers on everything from ranked choice voting, uh, which is a growing threat to our democratic processes, to uh, absentee ballots. And there's a wealth of information there and also articles that he and I have co-authored. In addition, um, you know, poll watchers, the average poll worker, I should say, is now over 70 years old. Uh, think about volunteering um, for 
poll worker duty. Uh, not just poll watcher, we're going to have a lot of those, I think. But poll worker duty, uh, that will increase confidence in the elections if people from all sides of the spectrum are involved in the process. Um, in addition, we need to probably have a national program where college and high school students who are about to turn 18 can get credit and uh, by working at the polls. Let's train a new generation of poll workers to replace the generation that's you know, retiring out and also uh, not as technologically sophisticated, can't handle the poll books and the other new technology necessarily as well as young people. As we all know, you know, if you want your computer to be programmed, you know, get a six-year-old to do it. <laughs> that's so true. Well, John, this has been great. I, I really appreciate you coming on. And again, for everything that you've been doing, keep up Absolutely. the good fights. And uh... thank you. Book is Our Broken Elections, uh, How the Left Changed the Way You Vote. And uh, Amazon is, um, you know, has a good write up on it. And I really appreciate the time with your viewers on this. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks again, John. Take care. Well, all right. Well, that's our show for today. And thank you so much for tuning in and supporting conservative media. Don't ever forget that by working together and staying diligent, we conservatives can bring our country back to true greatness. Until next week, let's all keep praying that God will continue to bless America. First Right, a new kind of news summary without the liberal slant. Every morning, in your inbox, always free. Subscribe by texting FIRST RIGHT to 30161. That's FIRST RIGHT, all caps, one word, to 30161.